I'm going to read out of the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, and I want to talk to you this morning about the testing, because this is only a test. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine that has been tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed to the whole world. I wanna to talk to you this morning about this is only a test. This life is a test. And what you do to pass the test or what you do to fail the test will determine your, but we will be determined by your attitude. So let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Let it be a lamp and a light. And let every word that Joey says, let it fall to the ground. And every word that comes forth from you, let it change our hearts forever. In Jesus' name and all God's men and women said, amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say you've lost weight and you can be seated. Thank you again for coming. Would you give the worship team one more round of applause? Thank you, worship team. Well, we're so honored you're here. Thank you for being in this service today. We're honored that you've come. You never know people are coming or not, so we are honored that you're here today. We love you very much, and we are blessed to have you today. Thank you for partnering with us and being here. We know you're going to have a better week as a result. You know, the difference in life between obstacles and opportunity is really one word, attitude. Every opportunity has difficulty, and every difficulty has opportunity in it. That's why life is like a grindstone. Whether it grinds you up or polishes you really depends on what you're made of. That's why a grindstone will flash a diamond until that diamond shines with radiance and fire because of the character of the diamond. But a grindstone will also reduce dirt. It will reduce pure coal back to nothing but dust. All of us have grindstones to endure in this life. You may know them as a test. All of us go through the test. I don't like tests. I never did well with testing in school. But God cannot trust us until we pass the test. Because a faith that cannot be tested can really not be trusted. I want to say that again. You guys look a little friendlier. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. When people say, well, I went through a trial, Joey, and I lost my faith, I really question that type of faith. And I would say, good, you should lose that faith and get the faith of God. Because when God's faith comes under the trial, you can endure it. Think about Job. Job lost all his wealth in one day. Very few people can handle that. Job not only lost all his wealth, he was fabulously wealthy, but Job went through one series of tests after another. Let's look at Job's first test. A messenger comes in and says, Job, you have just been, you just lost all of your oxen and all of your donkeys. A band of thieves stole them and they murdered all of your servants. I alone was preserved to come and tell you about it. Now that's bad news. As a matter of fact, I can see Job in the theater of my mind hitting the calculator and saying, wow, that's a lot of resources I just lost. I lost a lot of money, but the thousands of sheep I have left, I have much to be thankful for, he said. Then another messenger came. He came into the living room, and here comes the second messenger. A fire, fell from God, a fire from God has fallen and burned up all of your sheep, all of your shepherds. God is, is mad at you, Job. Job says, well, man, when it rains, it, I guess it pours. This is really a Maalox moment. 
He remains assured that God's still with him. His remaining assets, even though he's lost much, his remaining assets are thousands of camels. So he has to think to himself, at least I can still get my products to the marketplaces of the world. Before the second messenger could get out of the house, the third messenger comes in and says, Job, a band of Chaldeans have came and raided your 3,000 camels and have driven them off. Job thought, now I have no way to transport my crops. I'll be ruined. The world will plummet because my stocks will go down and the bankers will call my node. There will be a lien on my house. I'll have to file for bankruptcy. Then he thought, wait a second. I, I, I started with nothing. I can still make it a go of it. Even though I lost many things, I still have my sons and I still have my daughters. And a man who has family is united is rich, even though he has nothing. But then comes the fourth messenger. He runs into the mansion sobbing. He brought the worst news of all. Job, a tornado has struck the home of your eldest son. While your sons and your daughters were in there eating and drinking, the house has collapsed and all of them are dead. May God spare us the agony of standing beside a gravesite of our child that has gone prematurely and suddenly. There's no greater tragedy, and some of you have lost a loved one. You've lost a child, and there's no greater tragedy than a parent having to bury a child. But to bury all ten of them in a day, it's unbelievable. It's unfathomable. It's unthinkable. A tragedy. Who can endure that? Job's reaction he ripped his outer garment, which was a deep mourning of expression of, of, of just absolute loss. He shaved his head, which is another sign of mourning. See how sorrowful I am? He shaved his head, and he fell to the ground. And he cried until there wasn't another tear that dropped out of his head. And then came another. He walked into the bedroom to see the pictures of his children, the picture of his once happy, beautiful family. Now he's at the cemetery burying all ten of them. And in the process, he did not curse God. He did not say, so this is the reward of the righteous? Is this what I get for serving you, Lord? Is this what living a holy life is all about? No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, is this how God treats his children? I'm going to live like hell. What's the use? The Bible says that godly sorrow leads to repentance, but worldly sorrow leads to death. In all of this, the scriptures say, Job did not charge God foolishly. Job fell on the ground and he worshiped the Lord. He said, naked I came into my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the right attitude in the midst of tragedy. It's in the midst of tragedy. I think about that a lot because many of us can't measure that when we lose something, when we lose a child, when we lose our possessions, when we, when we lose relationships, and we have to ask ourselves, what would Job do? What would Job do? Job did not let bitterness destroy him, so you shouldn't let bitterness destroy you. Job did not let resentment become a cancer that ate his soul up. Job lifted his hands and literally said, God, I don't understand the why. I don't understand understand the burden that I'm experiencing right now. But God, I know you're too loving to be unkind and you're too wise to make a mistake. And I know you'll lead me through the valley of the shadow of death and I'll fear no evil. And no matter what I'm going through, I will lift up my hands and give you praise, the glory and the lifter of my head. I shall praise you and I'll come out as pure as gold. It's a test. It's always about 
a test. Now here comes the second test. Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Satan, the father of lies. Satan, who has come to rob, to kill, and to destroy. He comes to God a second time. And now he gets permission to touch Job's health. Isn't it amazing that God gives Satan permission to go after his possessions, to go after his family, and Satan has to come back and ask permission to touch his health. That tells me that sickness and disease is not from the Lord, that Satan put the sickness and disease upon Job. But every time we get a boil, look what the Lord has done. Look at the boil the Lord has gave me. The Bible says Satan afflicted Job with sickness and disease. You've got to know the source which the, which the infirmity has come so know how to deal with the source. The Bible says he asked God for permission and God said you can touch his body but you can't kill him. Again this happened to Job the scriptures say without a cause. It was not a result of sin. The Bible says Satan wanted to destroy Job without a cause. Job's body was soon, many of you know the story, it was covered to head to foot with boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. He was covered with painful, disgusting, smelly disease that medical science had no cure for. He stank so bad that he left his home and he went to the outskirts of the city and he sat on a garbage pile and he scraped the pores or the sores with his body with a broken piece of potter. A potter, a pottery. Now think about that. When his wife saw this once distinguished man, a man that was dressed to the nines, a man that was established, a man that had 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 a possessions and had had people that worked for him, a man that was integrous, a man who had so many things going for him, a beautiful family. He had it all going on. He was once Forbes 500 most wealthy and powerful, influential man. Now he's sitting on a pile of manure, scraping his boils. And she screamed. I believe she couldn't think of more to say than curse God and die. But Job holds fast. He holds fast to his confession. And he, say, and he says, shall I not receive the good plus also the evil? Job knew something that many Christians in the 21st century doesn't know, that God allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. That the houses that you will build will be a product, a product of the choices that you make. And all of you will have a decision to build a house. Whether you build it on a sand or build it on the rock will be a choice that you make. Because the storm will come. The storm will come. And the one who builds their house on the sand, it will be destroyed when the test comes. But the one who builds it on the rock, oh, you ain't hearing me over here. The one who builds it on the rock of their salvation shall come forth as pure as gold. They win. I'm going to give you another chance over here in just a moment. But I think it's important because the tests come, but there's another test that comes, Job's friends. Job's friends come on the scene. Satan, now he literally does something. Now this is important. You need to watch, the, read this and catch this, what I'm going to say. It's the third test, the third degree from his so-called friends. And his friends come. Satan has thrown the gates of hell at him. He literally throws everything he got and he failed to destroy Job's faith. Job literally had so much grit, he made Satan quit. He had so much grit, Satan quit. 
That's my prayer for us at Oasis, that we would have such a good attitude, that we would pass those tests, that we would no let our, we would no let our ceilings become our floor, and we would rise to a new altitude and rise to a new level, that we would have so much grit, so much fortitude, that Satan would just quit bothering us. He would leave us alone and go pick on the, the so-and-so down the street. Let your fortitude rise and let your attitude show it. In other words, don't quit. Let's say it together. Don't quit. You can't quit. That's the core value of Oasis Church. I got three of them. I tell our staff all the time. Now I'm going to tell you whether you like it or not. Here's the core value. Core value number one at Oasis Church. Remember who you work for. You're not working unto man. You're working unto God. You're not working for the Obaldio here. You're working unto God. Remember that when you go to work tomorrow. You don't have a demon-possessed boss. You have God as your boss. Remember that old school? My boss is a Jewish carpenter. Some of you have that on your beat-up ride still. My boss is a Jewish carpenter. Yeah, he is. Remember who you work for. You're not working unto man. You're working unto God. Core value number one. Core value number two, believe. You simply got to believe. If you believe all things are possible, it shall be done unto you. You have to believe that God can work it out. You have to believe that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. You have to believe. Am I talking to anybody today? You just have to believe. Core value number two, believe. Here's core value number three. You ready for it? Don't quit. Don't quit. So often we let our emotions mess up our devotion and we just give up and we quit way too soon. Some of you are quitting on the, on the one yard line when you're about to hit pay dirt. You're about to get to victory. And what I'm telling you, have so much fortitude, have so much right attitude that you realize who your boss is. He is a Jewish carpenter. His name is Yahshua. His name is Jesus, the one and only. And you can believe all things are possible. And you have within you the power of the Holy goes that will not make you quit in the day of battle. Don't quit till you get what God has for you. Don't quit until the answer breaks through. Don't quit until God makes a way where there seems to be no way. Don't quit until you get what God has for every promise is yes and amen. Don't quit. Don't quit. But after you take those three amazing core values of Oasis Church, and after you put it down in your spirit, you got to be careful who comes around you. You need to love, but you have to be careful who your friends are. If you show me your friends, it's been said many times, I'll show you your future. In life, you'll have lots of acquaintances, but you'll have very few good friends. Satan fades out of the drama because he had true grit that made him quit. But now Job's three friends enter the picture and Job's friends start to say the wrong things to him. You have to be careful who your friends are. In life, you're going to have lots of acquaintances, but very few good friends. We do not need lots of friends. We just need friends we can be sure of. And there's a world of difference. When you're a good giving person, now think about this. When you're a loyal, true person, if someone leaves you, you haven't lost them. They've lost you. And I'm talking to good, loyal, faithful, true people here because that's the only people we let into Oasis Church. 
We don't let in shady, shysty people here. We only let in good, God-fearing, loving, loyal, true people. That's who you're sitting next to. You're sitting next to fellow believers. And if someone leaves your life, you haven't lost them. They've lost you. Some of you need to let that relationship go. You've went through a separation. You went through a divorce. Ladies, let that old goat go. Stop wondering what you could have did better. Thank God he's gone. You need to, some of you are like, amen, brother. I wish he'd leave now. No, not the current husband. That's not a word from the Lord. I got a, Joey gave me a word. You stick it out. Remember, don't quit. But you have to be careful who your friends are. You really do. Because it's not how many friends you can count, but it's how many friends you can count on and who can count on you. Because we live in a social society. We have lots of likes. We have lots of follows. We have lots of shares. We have lots of people on our Insta, on our social pages. But social media, it's all wide, but it doesn't have any depth. It's all wide, but there's no depth to it. I believe social media is like a movie trailer. It really is. Everyone is showing you all the best parts that make their lives look better. I can't stand it when people put their vacations on social media. Absolutely enrages me that they're so amazing. I'm like, how can you go away to the Bahamas like 27 times a year? Why in the world? How? I can't even get to Lodi half the time. I can't even sing that old Creedence song, Stuck in Lodi again. I don't even get there. Some of you older people know that song. But we have the social media platforms. They, they have this thing. It's like, it's like a movie trailer. They show their, their best lives. They don't, and don't make the mistake of thinking their highlight reel is the complete story. But we live in a society that's what's causing young people today to, to battle anxiety, to battle depression, to battle suicide. It's one of the highest ranking things that are plaguing our young people today. Why? Because they're watching these so-called friends, which is some non-realistic and non-reality thing. I mean, anybody could look good if there's like the right lighting, 27 makeup artists telling you the right way to stand. Stick your tongue out, stick your stomach in, you'll look like a zipper. That's the goal. I mean, anybody could look good even with all the lighting, the configuration, all the airbrush, and that person may or may not even exist. And you see him in person, you're like, oh, wow, what's happened to them? Because it's a highlight reel. It's not a complete story. It's so true. But we live in this facade that these are my friends. They'll die for me. They won't even cross the street for you. If your car's broken down, they're going around you. They're going to honk and say, get out of my way, you jerk. I got a photo shoot. Don't you know I don't look this good right now, but I will in a moment? What's the point? Sometimes we can hang around the wrong people. And we think they're really my friends. They're really my friends. Not if they're bringing you the wrong stuff. Job's condition is so severe that his three, his three friends, they don't even recognize him. They don't even recognize him. And literally, after they, they have some days of silence... They say nothing to him, but at the end of the seven days, Job breaks down. But he doesn't curse God, but the agony of his soul literally explodes, and he sinks into depression. And he says, 
Why was I even born? Have you ever said that? Why didn't I die from my wounds? Have you ever said that? I have nothing to live for. Have you ever said that? I've lost it all. Have you ever said that? My life is over. Many of you have said that. Are you shrouded, shrouded in depression? Is your life seeming meaningless? Pay attention to Job's story. It's proof that there's hope for your soul. It's proof that God can make a way where there seems to be no way. What has been lost, what has been destroyed, what has been obliterated can be restored and recovered. He can restore hopes. He can restore dreams. He can restore corporations. He can restore marriages. He can restore friendships. He can bring it all back, press it down, shake it together, and run it over. He can bring it back. Job's friends, though, because they're not the right people for them. They start to unload on them. They start to unload on them. You know, people who talk to you about other people will talk to other people about you. You ever notice that? A person who talks to you about other people will talk to other people about you. I used to have a guy. He was my friend at the time. And he would always, years ago, he would always bring me negative reports. Pastor so-and-so, they, they're saying stuff about you. And finally I said, hey, Stop telling me. You make it sound like everybody on the planet hates me. And I know that's not true. Everybody loves me. But he was always bringing me the negative report and come to find out because he was the receptacle of the negativity that his own hurt, his own brokenness, he started to break on me because out of his soul, he became a fool and he didn't realize that he was a receptive trash container for all that junk. And that's not a true friend. It's the difference what I call an eagle or a chicken. Do you know an eagle will not eat anything dead? Eagles only eat things that are alive, but a chicken will eat their own waste. So many people, they live their lives clucking around like a chicken, eating on the old negativity, eating on the old resentment, eating on the old way. When God didn't design you to be a chicken, he didn't design you to hang around with chickens, let alone turkeys. He designed you to be an eagle. He designed you to be an eagle to only live off fresh things. See, there's no fresher thing to live off of than the command and the word of the living God. There's nothing more pure and alive than this word right here. You live off this. This is what the word says about me. This is what the word says about my family. Not old negative chicken clucking around. This is what he says about me. See, it's a difference. But what happens is we just start letting the the chickens come around, and many times they do it in Jesus' name. Like, share, church, like, share, church. Oh, positivity as they decimate somebody else. When they're nothing more than a chicken, you have to be careful who you hang around. Because the enemy is deceiver. He'll come in the very things of God, the very light of God, the very call of God. He'll do it in Jesus' name. But he's caused you to cluck, and he's caused you to eat things that are wasteful and not take on things that are alive. You see, there's a world of difference who you hang around. Show me your friends, I'll show you my future. And in life, we, we have lots of acquaintances, but we do not have very few good friends. I lost one of my best friends last year. He went to be with the Lord, Donnie. He was my dearest friend next to my daddy, was my best friend. Of course, Jennifer is my love. We get down in other ways. I'm sorry. Wow. 
sorry. I'm really in trouble. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who do not believe, nothing's pure. Is that you? We're not going to let your hearts and your minds be defiled. No, not today. Not today, Satan. But I, I didn't have a lot, of, a lot of real friends. I have people we help, people we encourage, people that we do our best for. But he was a real friend. He was a spiritual father, but he was my friend as we got older. And he went to be with the Lord. It's tough when those things leave your life, how to get them back. And sometimes you have those voids and those loss, and you can, if you're not careful, you're, you go searching for the wrong relationships and you end up with chickens and not have a man like Donnie who was an eagle and to soar and take you to a higher level. And I think that's important because many people you work with, many people that, that claim to have similar beliefs and similar core values, if you listen carefully to their conversations, they're really not eagles at all. They're really religious chickens that don't have faith, they don't have honor, they don't have integrity, and they're, they're portraying what's inside of them by trying to put it off on someone else. But if you look carefully, the finger they're pointing, there's four pointing back right to them. And so we can help, we can encourage, we can love, but we shouldn't let them be close. See, some of you have never heard that's okay, but you should learn that as you get older. Because you can have them on social platforms. I wouldn't even encourage that for some of you. Because they don't, they don't need to have insight into some of your lives. They don't need to have insight to the pictures of your kids. I'm sorry, you forfeited that when you acted ugly. You forfeited that when you were dishonorable. You forfeited that when you started eating your own waste, you old filthy chicken. I like chickens one place on my plate. I don't like chickens in the house clucking. I don't like chickens in the backyard. Our neighbors have them and they're really annoying. I like chickens cooked well on the plate. And I think it's important because Job's friends start to unload on him. They say lots of things, but Here's why I'm telling you that, and I'm making it fun, and we're joking around about it, but there's a significant truth behind this. You ready for it? Here's what happens to the, to the chickens. The chickens that Job have around him, they say lots of things, but their fundamental position was simple. All suffering is a result of sin, and the degree of the suffering is proportionate to your sin. Therefore, Job, you've sinned greatly, and you've suffering greatly as a result of it. But they were dead wrong. Job didn't do anything. That was a wrong theology. That was a wrong people to have around him. The Bible says Job did not sin. Furthermore, not all suffering is a result of sin. But there's something in the heart of the Pharisee. There's something in the heart of the fundamentalist. The fundamentalist is somebody who's the letter of that law. The letter of that law. The fundamentalist is the man, the woman who always prays the answer. They never proclaim the promise. They always look for the speck when they've got a two by four. They're always trying to sniff out sin and tie the scripture to it. God don't like ugly. That's not even in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. That's not even in the Bible. That's Ben Franklin. But they're always trying to detect the speck when they've got a plank. 
And as soon as suffering comes on the scene, they want to start blaming someone for sin in their life. I'm going to say it again because some of you are having a theological earthquake right now. As suffering comes on the scene, some of you have been trained from the religious background you've come from to identify it as sin. But do you remember when Jesus healed the man who was blind from birth? The story is told in John chapter 9. The first thing the disciples asked was the same thing many people ask today. Who sinned? Was it he or his parents? He even, even blamed his parents. They were heck of old probably at that time. Is, is, it, is it him or is it his parents? These are the disciples of Jesus. So there's nothing new under the sun. And look at what Jesus said. Neither. Neither. This man or his parents, Jesus answered. Neither has this man sinned nor his parents. But the works of God should be manifested in him. Jesus confirmed it. This is only a test. And you're getting ready to be promoted as you pass the test. Some godly people suffer. No fault of their own. People suffer with loss of loved ones, loss of family, loss of issues, loss of health. No result of their lack of sin or their lack of faith or result of sin. So when it comes to a home of a hurting person, Oasis Church is not fault finding. Fault finding is not a fruit of the spirit. We're people of empathy. We're people that, that look at hurting people and say, I may not identify with it, but I can sure pray for you. How can I help you? Do you need any meals? Can I help you? Can I, can I help take the kids to school? Is there anything I can do for you? I don't understand what you're going through. I can't even explain it, but I can be there for you. I can help you in any way. I may not have the answers. Maybe I don't even have anything to say, but my heart is wanting to help. I I'm, I'm, I'm have empathy for you. I want to help. I want to ignite hope in this thing. You see, that's important because a lot of times we're not at that level to understand what's going on. I became a believer in May 18, 1997. And May 18th, 1997, I wasn't raised in church. I had no religious background. And my soul got ignited. Colossians 3.3, that the hidden treasures of Christ ignited on the inside of me. I mean, I was literally transformed by my, by my internal, my bowels, my literally my insides, that my anointing was hidden in him. I was alive. But I had issues that needed to be renewed. I had issues with my mind. I, I didn't understand. I didn't know. And so that was May, June, July, August. My mother, who had terminal cancer, was very sick. Even when I was very little, she was sick my entire life. She had just became a believer that following Sunday, and I'm praying, God, you're going to heal my mom. You're going to heal my mom. And the more I prayed, the worse it got. You're going to heal my mom. And then I would say prayers that many of you would probably pray, God, I'll take her pain. I'll take it, God. I'll take the disease. I'll take the cancer. I'll take the blood issue. Give it to me, God. I'll take it. And see, the problem was not my heart. My heart was good. The problem was here. It wasn't unlocked yet. The problem was not out of my bowels. I was renewed. I was born again. But three months later, May, June, July, August, my mother horribly died, lost her leg, lost her hands, lost her fingers, and then she had a dramatic, horrible death. And I had a decision to make. Do I let what I've experienced without of my bowels, this, this process, or do I let this take over and let my emotions take over because I failed the test and this test didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And so I read a passage of scripture 
and it unlocked a key for me because the Bible will always do that when it's written in the right, when it's, when it's in the right fashion and you read it with the right intentions. Not reading it to spec, but reading it to inspect your own life. And I, I read it and you know what I read? I read the scripture out of Corinthians that said, godly sorrow leads to repentance. Worldly sorrow leads to death. And I had two roads to take. I could take a godly sorrow and say, I don't understand the why. I don't understand why I experienced that. I had to be raised that way. I don't, this is not God. This is not good. And take an ungodly approach and go back to my old ways and say, my faith was tested, therefore I lost it. Or I could take the godly sorrow. And you know what I chose to do? I took the godly one. I took that dagger, that dagger that Satan threw at me. I took it. And with the help of people like Donnie and help of others, I took that dagger. And many of you don't even know this about me because I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on God. I took that dagger next month and I started traveling and I started speaking. I took that dagger and you know that, that dagger that was meant to take me out, I put that in the dagger and I had the wonderful privilege of, listen to this so you understand who you're listening to today. I spoke to millions of kids in public schools alone all over America from the inner cities of Baltimore, Detroit, Chicago, Oakland, all throughout Detroit, in the inner cities, all throughout the United States. And I took that dagger that was meant to destroy me and I took it as a dagger to help people come to hope in the Lord Jesus Christ by the millions. By the millions. So there's always something to unlock in our lives when we go through trials. And I'm not speaking out of a Bible thing that I've read or I heard another preacher preach. I'm talking to you what I've experienced, that I had a choice to make just like you. Unlock it, rise above it, or let your personal trial take you out and you become just like those other chickens, clucking around in Jesus' name, cluck, cluck, cluck. I love God. That's why I go to this church, and then I go to that church, and then I go to that church. Really? You're an uncommitted church member. Be real. Get committed. Stay at a church. Stay there. Get planted. Be real about it. Stop playing religious tiddlywinks. Get serious. You don't go to Applebee's, and then when the bill comes, go pay macaroni grill. I mean, you need to stop the nonsense and be planted in the house of God and stay there. And this is the best place to stay, by the way. Leave that other stuff alone. Clucking with chickens. God spoke to Job. Now here, here we close. God spoke to Job out of a whirlwind. Because Job, he asked questions and God says, I can't give you an answer. He didn't give him an answer. God doesn't give explanations. He gives promises. And Job's asking a series of questions and God says, no, no. Let me ask you a question. Where were you? Where were you, Job? God spoke to him out of a whirlwind. And literally, he says, gird up, man of God. Gird up. Where were you, Job? Gird your loins like a man. He was, time, he was saying, in effect, man up. What he would say to women if he was talking to a woman. Woman up. 
where were you when I flung those stars into the backdrop of the night and I know each one by name? You're trying to locate them through the Hubble telescope and God says, I know every one of those stars by name. That's Philip, that's Lucretia, that's Ferline, that's Bob, that's Joey, that's star number 8,768,000. Oh yeah, his name is Henry. Where were you, Job, when I answered all of those names of those stars? Where were you when I measured the seas out of the palm of my hand? Where were you, Job? Were you giving me counsel and advice how to do those things? What was God saying? Job, you got to realize something. What is God saying to us today? People, you got to realize something. You don't have the foggiest idea how powerful I am. I gave you, Job, thousands of sheep and oxen and camels, and I can do it again. I gave you the mansion. I made Job incorporated the number one stock on the New York Stock Exchange, and I can do it again. I gave you seven sons and beautiful daughters. I can do it again. Whatever has been taken away, he'll give it back in greater proportion. He can do it again. Can we stand together? Have you lost your friends? God can give you new ones. Have you lost your health? God can restore health back unto you. Have you lost your prosperity? God can give you greater prosperity. Has Satan come to you and said, this is how it's going to be for the righteous? You need to tell Satan to shut up. He's low level. He's already been defeated. God says, gird up. Gird your loins like a man, like a woman. Rejoice in the midnight hour. Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. Remember who you work for. Remember to believe and don't quit. Do you receive that today? Amen.